0: listen man you cannot draft four cornerbacks every year <laughs> <laughs> the rest of our roster is yeah. literally falling to pieces Dude,
1: like we have we have, have 12 cornerbacks <laughs> on the roster the love of 12. God. Welcome into the Titans' ten for Monday, April the tenth. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, a broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. Joined as always by James Foster of No Flags Film
0: on Twitter, YouTube, and Patreon. James, hello. How's it going? I think that just. With every episode, you should draw the W and welcome out like a <laughs> half second more. You think so? And then six months from now, it'll literally be thirty seconds that people have to skip through. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna write that down. That's a,
1: that's a, that's a good idea. Uh,
0: we uh we've
1: got a couple of things to talk about today. the The primary thing is reflective of a an article that you're gonna have either already out by the time people are listening to this, or soon to be out on BroadwaySportsMedia.com detailing you went through and picked some Titans play current Titans player comparisons to draft prospects in this year's draft class which I think is a really interesting thing to go through and we'll um we'll just have you uh detail for us what you see in these players why why you think that they're comparable to existing Titans players and then maybe give us a little rundown just on your uh evaluation of those guys and where you might think they go in the draft but before we go into that we have to touch a couple of topics the first of which is Jeffrey Simmons. You told me in the pre-show that, that you had thoughts on Jeffrey Simmons. You've been watching a bit of Jeffrey Simmons. I saw that you tweeted something about him earlier today on Sunday. Um, yeah, it was it along the lines of once all the three tech uh, defensive linemen age out and retire, it's
0: just going to be Jeffrey Simmons. And uh, who, who
1: else did you say was going to be at the top of their game?
0: Yeah, Jeffrey Simmons and Jonathan Allen. So basically, I was okay. I was just watching defensive linemen today. Um, I'm kind of in this stage with my draft process where I'm watching. I'm just like looking for guys that tested well, and then going to their film and seeing if there's anything there. So I'm I've, I've been watching a lot of junk for the past uh, hmm. two weeks. So I like to I like to go back to the NFL as kind of a palate cleanser watch some better players no disrespect to uh more
1: developed players they just further yeah, along. there right, we go right.
0: um but yeah so I was like watching all the all the top defensive linemen Aaron Donald Fletcher Cox Cam Hayward Jeffrey Simmons all those guys and I was thinking like at the time Jeffrey Simmons was drafted defensive line was not really viewed as a valuable position in mm. kind of the analytics community it was like well these these three techniques like, um, you know, Fletcher Cox come out two or three times every year. And that's not really a position that it's worth investing a ton of draft capital in. And I'm looking at the defensive linemen that were drafted after 2019 and it's a pretty, or 2019 included, actually, it's a pretty bad list, honestly. I mean, you're looking at, the best guys outside of Jeffrey Simmons are Christian Wilkins Mm. for the dolphins. Um, You know, Dexter Lawrence for the giants. He's a nose tackle Quinn and Williams for the jets. Great prospect, but he's been disappointing. It's kind of like the Titans got the last good three technique I feel like. And now they just don't come out anymore because everybody that's, athletic enough to have a bunch of pass rushing upside on the inside is just playing on the edge now and and coming out as a 280 pound edge defender or whatever. So that was just kind of an interesting random thought that I had that the Titans kind of lucked into some value. there, just really uh, out of nowhere. That's interesting.
1: Um, It, it, you detail those guys that have gone since 2019 and you're right that that list is really thin. If that's the top of the list, I mean, I've heard of those guys, but I'm I'm sure there's a number of those guys that listeners are thinking who? Um, yeah, I
0: mean, I, I just have I have the last three draft classes filtered on PFF, just yeah. sorted by PFF grade, and I'm just going down the list. There's 40 guys that qualify in terms of how many snaps they can they've played, um, and like. I mean, Christian Barmore's promising like Tier okay. Tart has the 14th highest PFF grade of all of this guys. <laughs> and non
1: Titans <laughs> fans definitely don't know who Tier yeah, Tart exactly. is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just,
1: just to give you some uh, context. Do you think so? Do you think that the analytics community has
0: changed the way that they look at defensive tackle now? No, well, this is the thing is that basically the idea of positional value kind of came to be maybe four or five years ago, at least like in the online kind of football community. right. The idea that outside of quarterback obviously you invest in offensive tackle, receiver, cornerback, and edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And that was true for that era. But then as we see defenses, I mean, it's a you know, football scheme is a pendulum swing. Like defenses are playing more too high, which means, that they're taking a player out of the box. So instead of seven players, they have six players. And they're at a numbers disadvantage now when it comes to fitting the run. So how do you overcome a numbers disadvantage is you have elite players at those pressure points. One of the pressure points is the defensive line. And so when you have guys like Jeffrey Simmons that can steal a gap in the run game, it allows you to, you know, be more aggressive uh, with what you're doing in the defensive backfield, and so positional values just change as the game changes. You know.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. You have a, you get elite players at those pressure points to essentially have a, a one man wrecking crew try to overcome a like be be worth more than one man in the in the uh, in the man disadvantage there. Right. So that that makes sense. Um, that's an interesting thought, and yeah, I mean. If if tier tart is number 14 on that list, that's a really funny thought uh, to think that that it's such a thin group that he's that high. Another thought that we had pre-show before we get into this topic that I I have to address, and we were talking about this earlier today. So Benjamin Solak, he's a, a writer and a draft analyst with The Ringer. And um, I'm a really big fan of his. I I think he's a a really intelligent young guy. Um, He's really fun to listen to. He seems funny and like he'd be a pretty good hang. Um, And he definitely knows who he's talking about when it comes to football and scheme and draft evaluation. However, he tweeted out earlier today, I believe. Yes, earlier today, he tweeted out uh, just two hours ago, actually, Sunday night. uh, Spoiler alert, perfect first round in his first round mock draft. He committed the cardinal sin of mocking a linebacker, in this case, Quay Walker, to the Titans at 26. Uh, He got, of course, a number of responses, as all linebacker to the Titans mockers have been getting of late on the Internet from Titans fans and Titans adjacent Twitter accounts, I suppose asking him and or making fun of him for, for mocking a linebacker to the Titans. Why would you do this? Why are you so dumb? Somebody uh, tighten up baseball mode at snap off. Then uh, tweeted at him hashtag stop mocking linebackers to the Titans 2022. And he replied hashtag don't trust Zach Cunningham 2022. And so I message you about this because I'm at this breaking point mentally with the linebacker mocks to the Titans situation the national draft analysts and media personality scene of, of mock drafts continues to relentlessly mock linebackers to the Titans. Now it's not as bad as it was, right? It it was at one point early in this, in this process, it was all linebackers to the Titans all the time. It was, it was, it it was, it was awful. It was very bad to look at. Um, It was, it was very dumb. It hurt my brain because of how, how stupid it seemed and it still seems stupid, but there's a lot of national guys that are now coming around to the idea that, Oh, Titans actually don't need linebacker help. They need, you know, line help and they need wide receiver help. And they need tight end help. Um, Linebacker is not high on that list, but there are still some people uh, and some people that I like genuinely respect their opinion, like Ben Solak, who who have these notions of the Titans and linebacker situation. And in this case, Zach Cunningham in particular, that doesn't align with us here in the local media. And by us, I kind of mean everybody in the local media. I've not and correct me if I'm wrong. I've not seen anybody in Titans media talking about how linebacker to the Titans in the first round is even remotely a reasonable or good idea. I've not heard or seen many local mock drafts, mocking linebacker to the Titan anywhere in the draft. And if at all in the very back end, taking a flyer on a guy in the fifth or sixth, um, But so long story short, I messaged you, James, and I just I asked where this is a guy that watches tape. He's a guy that that is intelligent, generally speaking, based on my evaluation of his evaluations. I don't get what he doesn't see or does see in Zach Cunningham that he is leading him to believe that that he's not it at the linebacker position. Like, is it do you think that this is just a a snarky tweet from him. That is like a a convenient explanation of his pretty crappy mock to the Titans at linebacker. And he just doesn't watch the Titans. Or do you think that there's something that he actually like, do you think he actually believes Cunningham ain't it and, and has a reason for that? I am starting to question my, my own notion on this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I don't really think it's anything deeper than just um, most people probably haven't specifically watched Zach Cunningham since he went to the Titans I mean yeah like if there was some sort of analogous move uh that another team made where they picked up a linebacker off of waivers week 14 or whatever it was I'm not gonna sit here and like say that I've watched them so I I mean I don't I watch, it's a small sample size. Like I watch a ton of Titans film. I'm not going to just like expect every person who's kind of covering the football, covering the NFL nationally to have uh, studied, you know, every single individual player. But uh, like I will use this as an avenue to kind of talk about Zach Cunningham and the fact that he probably put on the best, seven game stretch of his entire career. I mean, when, when the Titans picked him up, I went and watched all of the Texans defense from that from uh, 2021 up to that point, I think it was like 13 games. And my takeaway from Zach Cunningham, uh, having not really studied him in depth since the draft was like, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a quality linebacker. I don't really think he moves the needle at all, but you watch the Titans defense through the, the, the back half of the season, he's, the guy that pops out on film. Um, I I didn't realize until I was trying to come up with uh, player comparisons for the draft. And I'm I'm looking on mock draftable at all these players measurements, but he has 34 inch arms, which you almost never see an off ball linebacker with that uh, good of arm length. And it's not hard to see that translate to the film, like the way that he engages with blocks is just as violent as any linebacker that I've (laughs) seen in recent memory. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I, as someone who is a little bit skeptical of, uh, of picking up Zach Cunningham, I'm someone who he has absolutely changed my opinion of, of his game. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of Zach Cunningham. Uh, You know, as far as national guys, it's like, I I get like the whole linebacker in the first round thing is, is silly, but as far as, his individual evaluation of Zach Cunningham. I don't really think it was that deep.
1: Okay. Well, I suppose, uh, you know, I I responded to that tweet asking him for an explanation. And if, if I don't get one, I guess that might confirm our priors that he, there wasn't actually a take there. It was just a convenient retort. But if he responds, we may have to revisit this in the future until then the linebacker mocks of the Titans will continue until morale improves. Let's move on to our main topic of today's podcast, which is your article that's coming out, I believe, on today, uh, Monday, the, the day that everybody's listening to this. Uh, comparing NFL draft prospects to current current Titans. So we'll go through the list of players that you that you outline in this in this article, and I have two questions for you on each of those players. Obviously, you're going to tell me who you think the Titans comp is for each of them, but then I also want to know what your general evaluation of, of them is in this draft process. Uh, and then I want to know what it is about these guys that you, that reminds you of the current Titan and why they, they are reflective of, uh, the Titans players that we all know and love, uh, in your mind. So are you ready for us to go through this list? Let's do it. Okay. So the first prospect on your list is Brian Asamoah. He's a linebacker. Out of Oklahoma, which Titans player do you uh, are you reminded of when you watch Brian?
0: So this is an easy comp for me, but it's David Long. Um, so Brian Asamoa, just to give you a brief introduction, is a converted safety that plays linebacker. He's six foot two twenty six, so very undersized. But the kicker with Brian Asamoa is that he has almost thirty three inch arms, which is sixty uh, fifth percentile for, uh, off-ball linebackers. And, you know, when you, when you talk about linebackers that are undersized and how it kind of clouds their projection from college to the NFL, the main issue is, are they going to be able to take on blocks? Like when a guard is coming to the second level, does he have the physical stature to effectively engage with and shed that block? And obviously being on the lighter side doesn't help in terms of anchor, but, Having long arms, you know, that helps you win the the stack battle that helps you get your hands on uh, the opponent first, which when it comes to interactions within the trenches is one of the most universal important things. I think Brian Asamoah, along with his speed, acceleration, agility, coverage instincts, all of that, uh, I think he projects as a, a really good weak side linebacker.
1: Okay, and and what about him? What what are the what of those traits is uh, a similar is similar in your evaluation to David Long Jr.
0: Yeah, I mean I think obviously the physical profile, but also just the way that they're able to move around the field almost like a human joystick, like uh, change of direction just so fluidly. Uh, that's really the biggest thing that sticks out to me about David Long's game, and that's what you know pops off the screen when you watch Brian Asamoah.
1: Interesting. Just out of curiosity, where do you have Brian going in your uh, draft projections?
0: Oh, yeah. I'll start including uh, these for the rest of them. But right now, he's my 50th overall player, uh, fifth-ranked linebacker.
1: All right. Next player on your list, also from Oklahoma, Nick Benito, uh, an edge player coming out of Oklahoma. Which current Titans
0: player are you reminded of when you watch him? So this is going to be a lazy comp for me in the next few draft classes, but anytime there's a really fast bendy edge rusher that doesn't have any pass rushing moves, I'm just going to compare them to Harold Landry, which (laughs) like is, it sounds, it sounds like I'm, it sounds like uh, a, like a pejorative sort of comp that I'm uh, you know, comparison that I'm making between the two players, but they're both just, balls of energy explode off the line of scrimmage. They're really just trying to run around the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. They don't really have this, uh, you know, developed pass rushing plan, but they're also very underrated run defenders. That's something that people don't give Harold Landry enough credit for. And I've been on the critical side of Harold Landry as a pass rusher, but as a run defender, I think he's one of the most underrated run defending edge rushers in the NFL. And Mm. Nick Benito, I mean, I, for as you know, he was a very productive pass rusher over the past two seasons. I know he's had like over 50 pressures both years, double digit sacks. But to me, the, the thing that really stands out with Nick Benito is his run defense and kind of uh, the way that he can be used as a versatile chess piece for a defensive coordinator in the same way that I think Harold Landry is.
1: Interesting. So you're basically saying that you don't think either of these guys have any pass rush ability. That's what I'm hearing.
0: Um, I wouldn't use the term ability. I would use uh, skill. I would say like Harold Landry's not a very skilled pass rusher, but he is a very able pass rusher. Uh, like I don't know so his, I, I, yeah, I, I
1: joke, but that's what I'm kind of wanting you to go into a little bit more depth on what, what, what is your distinction there between ability and skill level? Is it just what they have in their bag of tools kind of let us in, uh, people, you know, like I, I'm kind of the stand in on the show, the, the everyman here somebody that's not big on on knowing the ins and outs of what makes a pass rusher. What, what right, is so the difference between him and a guy that you would call more skilled?
0: Okay, well, I'll I'll compare him to the most skilled defense, the most skilled pass rusher in the NFL right now, which is Aaron Donald. And right. you look at Aaron Donald, he's got a, a move set, a, a repertoire of like four or five really go-to moves. He's got uh, one or two main pass rushing moves he's got the change up he's got counters off the of stuff every single thing that he does looks like it has been repped it looks like he's been repping the cross chop since he came out of the womb everything is just so crisp <laughs> and just yeah. like um to the split second the hand placement uh you know right on the armpit when he needs to do this swim move like all all that kind of all those kind of intricacies, and then you watch Harold Landry's pat. Like, just I the other day I watched all of his third down pass rushes because that's really where the pass rushers are kind of pinning their ear backs and, and letting it all hang loose. Yep, um, Harold Landry just you know, he really just kind of tries to do the speed chop. Uh, his hand placement is inconsistent, there, tackles can just overset, meaning they're they're just trying to get as wide of an angle and really just protect against the speed rush because they know that's really all harold landry's bringing to the table and they just kind of you know if it's a tackle who's worth his salt they just kind of shut it down like larry tunzel has uh, just blanketed harold landry every single time they play him because he just mm. he knows what's ex- he knows what's coming and he's a good tackle and he shuts it down but harold landry is a very capable pass rusher because of his athleticism because of his motor just his raw speed ability to change angles so when you talk about getting him on stunts um blitzes you know things things where the the technical intricacies of rushing the passer are not uh first and foremost most important uh, he can be a, a very capable pass rusher, and I mean that's he has he had seventy pressures in twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, 16, sixteen sacks. Like I can't sit here and say that he's not a capable pass rusher because like that's you don't you don't get those numbers from just a fluke. But so it's it's, a, it's essentially the the pitcher
1: that has a crazy fast ball, but that's kind of their one trick, versus the guy that doesn't necessarily have that that crazy other other otherworldly fastball, but they have a lot in their bag of tricks and can throw a variety of of highly skilled pitches your way. Does that is that kind of yeah and I I hesitate
0: I hesitate to get too deep into the baseball analogies because I've uh never watched a baseball game in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So like yeah, sure. If that yeah Maybe. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So we'll say it makes sense.
1: Moving on to the next player on your list. You have Roger McCreary, a cornerback out of Auburn. He's a guy that's high on a lot of people's uh, cornerback overall cornerback boards this year. What is the Titans player that you're most reminded of when you watch
0: him? So the comp for Roger McCreary, uh, the Titans comp is Christian Fulton. And this isn't a perfect comp. This is one that I I kind of stretched a little bit just for the article. My actual comp for Roger McCreary is Cam Sutton, uh, mm. former, well, not not former, current Vol for Life and uh, current. Never, never Steelers, former Vol for so Life. Yeah, never, never former. Um, but yeah, Roger McCreary is kind of a guy that I was really high on early in the process. Then I kind of cooled off of them a little bit. And then as I've been going back to some of the guys that I scouted earlier, uh, just kind of, you know, making sure that I'm where I want to be in my evaluation. Roger McCreary is a guy that has just been like, ah, this guy's such a good football player. He has, I mean, his arms are 28.88 inches, which is zeroth percentile for cornerbacks. Right. Like that's, that's pretty low. I'm not an expert. You talk about someone like Roger McCreary, who's, uh base Who's a you know battle tested physical press man corner? Mm. Having long arms is important it's to pretty, play. Press yeah, that's, that's a yeah, um, yeah. You know his vertical jump, which kind of translates to explosiveness. Vertical jump is sixth percentile. Broad jump thirteenth percentile. His three cone and twenty yard shuttle are forty third and twentieth percentile. And then he ran a four, five flat, which is 47th percentile. So yeah, all of that great numbers, 511, 190. He's just not a, really a plus athlete in any area. And Christian Fulton is a better athlete than Roger McCurry, but he's not like he was a first round caliber prospect because of how good he was at playing corner, not because he was this freak athlete. Um, so that's really where the comp comes. And then also just like the man coverage. uh, experience and technique uh being comfortable on an island in press coverage i mean when back dave aranda i believe was the defensive coordinator when christian fulton was in lsu and i mean it was it was press man like every single snap so yeah that's really where the comp comes uh to me roger McCreary is a guy that i could definitely see myself missing on i have him as my 12th ranked corner 91st overall player um you know he could be a guy that it just like, isn't an NFL caliber athlete, but he could also be a guy that you look back on in a couple of years. And it's like, okay, obviously that guy was going to be a good NFL player because he was such a good college player against, I mean, you watch Roger McCreary's, uh targets from this year. He's, he's getting pass breakups on Jamison Williams, Jahan yeah. Dotson, John Mechie, mm-hmm. um, Traylon Burks, like Traylon Burks. He, he's not, he's not going up against Bowling green States, you know, guys <laughs> that they're trotting out there.
1: Right. Well. So. Okay. So you 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 outlined the comparison pretty pretty uh, thoroughly there. I, I want to get your thoughts more on, I guess, the evaluation of McCrary in general. Like like you said, you got him lower on your cornerback board than most. It sounds
0: like. Um. And and. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think. Twelfth. Um, you I said. Think like, yeah, he's my twelfth ranked corner. I mean, I think the the draft community is, uh, pretty much. Maybe I just heard the people high on him then. Yeah, I mean that that kind of is how it goes. Like let's see. I mean yeah, he's uh, consensus board is higher on him than I am. He's they've got him as like the sixth rank corner. Um but I mean I think the draft community is is pretty much on the same page that he's a uh, not a great athlete, but he's got really good tape against good co- competition and it's the evaluation is just how do you balance those two things?
1: Right, so you you outlined how Fulton and McCreary both aren't just crazy freak athletes. Um, mm-hmm. Their athletic testing numbers aren't that high. Clearly, Fulton has turned into a guy, or at least based off of last year, the first year to second year leap. It seems like he's turned into a, a really, really solid NFL starting caliber cornerback, cornerback one option um, for the Titans. What is it about McCreary that, think, that, that makes you think um, he might turn out differently? Is that am I am I on base there with your evaluation?
0: Yeah, I mean it's you know, just any time that you have somebody that's limited athletically, right, um it, it just it it shrinks just odds the game mar- at that point it shrinks the margin of error for other things. Right. So you know, um like Mike Renner has said this several times. I think it's a, a really uh, good statement, but he said like there's a lot of average athletes that are successful in the nfl but there aren't a lot of average athletes that have average technique that are successful in the nfl right yeah you know, so like you've your technique just has to be that much better to make up for the disadvantage that you have athletically
1: all right let's move on we are uh almost through the list here we actually we're halfway through the list here we got three more next up john mechie the third wide receiver out of alabama a guy that Roger McCreary played against uh, this past season. Uh, like you said, I think in the, let's see, in the article, did you have a video of him going up against uh, Jameson Williams or did you have him against? No. I, yeah. I, I had, I, I had
0: actually uh, two clips from the same game for John Mechie and Roger McCreary. McCreary uh, was, was doing a great job on Mechie for the entire game. Uh, the Alabama is this, tape is some this of this one impressive. clip you picked. And then and then into the game john <laughs> mechie just runs the coldest out route it's like the uh, hunter i'm sitting here hunter looking at it it's it's nasty um, yeah and 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 yeah definitely kind of waxes roger mccreary on that <laughs> he one. does that was that was a nasty i
1: remember watching this live so so who is the titans player that you have comped to john mechie the
0: third my comp is robert woods um and this is where i have to insert the Disclaimer that, that comparisons are more about uh skill set, like relative skill set and pl- play style, athletic profile. Not really like John Mechie is gonna be as good as Robert Woods. It, it's, it's like yeah. stock disclaimers, like uh, right, as performance yeah. does not indicate future results. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, the biggest thing that stands out is I think that John Mechie is probably the best or second best run blocking receiver, uh, in this draft class. And, uh, Robert Woods is the best run blocking receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of one of the sticking points for the comp, but then also just the fact that, um, you know, not, a, not crazy athletes. Uh, really polished route runners uh can work from the slot and the outside. I think Mechie's uh, home in the NFL will be in the slot. My comp for John Mechie and my draft guide is actually Sterling Shepard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's funny when we talk about receivers that are good run blockers, because a lot of times we think of like Corey Davis, just on the outside, like, Hey, look at Corey Davis. He's, he's really given it. his all out there, but like, uh, Robert Woods was a legitimate weapon as a run blocker for the Rams. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what, what the Titans, how the Titans. I mean, he he was did.
1: essentially a tight end in the run blocking game for them. They would, he, they would,
0: they would use him that way. Yeah. They would right. line him up all over.
1: Okay. So I, I think John Mechie the third is a really interesting case study or has the potential to be a really interesting case study in terms of the Titans in this draft, because I'm at this point, and this is subject to change. I'm anticipating the Titans going the offensive line route in the first round. If they don't trade back, that's kind of where I think that they're leaning. Um, I think a lot of fans are going to want quarterback or wide receiver there. And I think they'll be let down by the boring, but um, probably smart pick of a lineman at that awkward, very late first round pick that they have. And if they do that, I think the night of that first round going into the, the the morning and day of leading up to the second round on that Friday, there's going to be a lot of hubbub in the Titans fan and media community about, okay. So based on this first round pick where the Titans go from here and assuming it's not a receiver, I think that John Mechie the third is going to probably be a guy that a lot of people look on the remaining wide receivers board and say, ah, I recognize that guy. He was a Bama guy. He was, he was a stud. When I, when I watched him, um, you know, he's he's high up on the remaining wide receiver's board. He's a guy they should go get just because a name recognition and uh knowing that the Titans need a receiver. But I have a feeling that you might agree with me on this. I don't think that he necessarily is a great fit for what the Titans are looking for in a receiver. Do you agree or disagree no, with that? It's the it's
0: the same thing with Chris Olave. Uh like I don't see the Titans drafting a receiver that's 187 pounds yep. with an early pick. Yep, agreed. Like there's just the one thing, well, I won't say the one thing, but one thing that you can really kind of bank on John Robinson valuating, valuing uh, from the receiver position in the draft is having, you know, NFL play strength and weight to, to be able to take hits uh, throughout the course of a season and be durable, be available in December and January. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think. Um, like when you get to the sixth and seventh round, it's all dart throws. But in terms of early impact player uh, selections, I see them really trying to get somebody that, that weighs a little bit more.
1: Yep, agreed. And uh, I, I kind of want to retcon um, the discussion here a little bit. Uh, of these three guys besides Mechy that we talked about before, uh, Asamoa, Benito, and McCreary. Are any of those guys, I forgot to ask this, do you see any of them as potential fits for the Titans? I know two of them are uh, li- a linebacker and an edge, so right. <laughs> probably so the, not. The, thing, but-
0: the the interesting thing that I'm just realizing now is that in making comps to from these players to NFL or to the Titans players, like they're all going to be kind of redundant with what the Titans already have, so I That's don't necessarily what I'm see... As well any of these guys as as being, you know, unless they fall to the later rounds as being great fits. Like Brian is comp is David Long, so the Titans drafting him, well, that would be kind of redundant be a David but Long backup. Essentially, David essentially, Long, right. Know? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. John Mechie to Robert Woods. Roger McCreary is a little bit different because with corners, you just need like a stable of I mean of bodies out there. If I was a, yeah I've I've said this before, but if I was a GM uh, like the owner of the team that I worked for would have to would have like a uh, a serious sit down with me after every draft and be like, listen, man, you cannot draft four cornerbacks every year. <laughs> <Like> we, <laughs> the rest of our roster is yeah. literally falling to pieces Dude, like we, we have, have we're we're we the Bears in
1: 2019 with, with we, tight ends. we have 12 <laughs> cornerbacks on the roster for the we love of God.
0: We held open tryouts to the public for tight end, and we have <laughs> nine cornerbacks on the
1: roster. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's really funny. That's listen.
1: That's team building 101. That's chestnut checkers. Um, don't question the process. Moving on, we got two more left. Let's let's grind these out real quick. Zion McCollum, another cornerback from the giant university of Sam Houston State. What is your Titans
0: uh, player comp for them? So my comp, uh, is Caleb Farley and it's really more of a athletic comp than it is a player comp, but Zion McCollum and Caleb Farley are both literally the ideal build for an outside corner. Um, Mm. six foot two, which is six foot two 31 inch arms, which is the perfect height. There's this guy, Tariq Woolen who's six foot four and ran a four, two, six. He plays Holy corner for cow. UTSA. A lot of people like him. The thing is when you get to six foot four and you talk about a corner, that's trying to, you know, keep up with a, a stop and go on the outside or like, I was about to say any break on a quick out, you're slant. Gonna get toasted. Yeah, no, six, four, like that's just too tall to play yeah. corner. So Zion McCollum, six, two, a little bit better center of gravity there. Uh, 199, good weight. Uh, he's he ran a 433 three, which is 95th percentile for corners, 146 10 yard split which is 98th percentile, uh 39 and a half broad jump and 130 or 39 and a half vert 132 broad both of those 90th percentile, 98th percentile three cone, 93rd and 20 yard shuttle. So just a like generational athlete. Um but you know he's he's gonna be a third to fourth round pick probably just because the tape isn't really that good um but yeah just in terms of athletes like caleb farley's the only guy that i've seen in recent years that compares to zion McCollum.
1: okay interesting
0: um the last player
1: on your list is another linebacker out of georgia quay walker he's he's actually the guy that full circle here the who uh ben solak had mocked to the titans at 26.
0: wow that's so funny
1: (laughs) hey who is your who who is your titans existing comp for them this is also funny because this is who we were talking about
0: zach cunningham (laughs) hey
1: there we go (laughs) there
0: we go literally did not realize that that connection was going to be made until just now no this episode has come full circle no, you should you should take credit for that as like you planned the, the no, I actually, episode. yeah, this is
1: this is my plan is to really tie this way. episode in well. This is elite planning on a podcasting level. But uh, so what is the reason? why do you why do you see uh, shades of Zach Cunningham and Quay
0: Walker? as so, does qu- as does Mr. Uh, Solak. Quay Walker is, I believe, so i have, I think I have one hundred and fifty one scouting reports written in my draft guide, and I think Quay Walker is the only player that I didn't list a, an NFL comparison for. Cause I like, I just couldn't find one. I, I just mm. left it blank. Um, I kind of see Zach Cunningham. The main thing with Quay Walker is just the way that he uses his length, I think is uh, probably better than any line. He probably uses his length better than any linebacker in this class besides Devin Lloyd. Um, what are his I mean, measurements? Do you have those? Yeah. Yeah almost 33 inch arms which is 65th percentile he's 64 yep. 241 okay uh ran a 452 which is plenty good uh three cone was 85th percentile broad jump 79th percentile so yeah i mean he's a, he's a plus athlete for sure where is uh, he on your linebacker uh, list he is my second ranked linebacker like okay. I'm, wow. i he's he's probably one of the guys that i'm highest on relative to consensus um and another guy is another Georgia linebacker, Channing Tindall. I mean, I watch mm. the more Georgia defense I watch, the more confident I become in my take that Nicobe Dean is linebacker three that's a take Like wow, I don't, know. I don't know if I'm there have yet. You put Actually, that on the think, internet. No, yeah, I tweeted it. So I'm I'm okay. totally in. and if I <laughs> you're locked in. If I see if I see any uh conflicting evidence on tape, I just have to ignore it. And no, you have to you have to is, double and triple. This down. is my I lane. We I like, you can't change your mind about a game. Mm-hmm. What, what what have you become at that point? You're exactly. a sheet in the wind. You have to double and triple down. Those are the rules. But yeah, Quay Walker, Zach Cunningham, just, it was really just the way they use their length. I honestly think Quay, Quay Walker is a more instinctive player in coverage. Um, like for as complimentary as I've been on Zach Cunningham uh, for this episode, like he's still just not a good cover linebacker, but um yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think ultimately, people kind of kind of like poo poo NFL comps and act like they're just a waste of time. But I, I really think that it's an it's a useful kind of method of explaining a player's play style to someone that hasn't watched them before. Because like, right. people don't have time to sit here and watch as many players as I do. So if I can just be like, yeah, yes. he kind of, you turn on his tape, he kind of gives you like this guy's vibes, you know, like that's, I think, uh, a, a valuable way of, of conveying information in bite-sized manner.
1: I agree entirely. And so we have expertly gone this episode from Quay Walker should be drafted in place of Zach Cunningham to Quay Walker reminds us of Zach Cunningham. And in that full circle manner, we're going to end today, leave you with that. Um, Quay Walker should not be drafted to replace that Cunningham, but he does remind us of Zach Cunningham Um, for, for James Foster. I'm Houston freeze. Before we go, we got more shows coming this week. We're going to do a mailbag tweet. I think later this morning, Monday morning uh, calling all mailbag uh, submissions for later this week. We'll have an episode, our mailbag number two. There are multiple
0: ways to get into the mailbag. James, what is the best way? Best way is to leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts. Uh, We will knock those questions up to the front of the line guarantee that they get answered um and you know the other thing is that i, I got a great pokemon question last uh, It was a good last pokemon mailbag question. i uh, didn't get it the, at
1: all but you seemed really passionate about it
0: so yeah any really like niche hobby questions that i would understand but easton would have no idea <laughs> what they meant send sure. those in there
1: Right, and if you have any baseball questions that I would understand, and James wouldn't, you can can ask those as well. I say that like I'm a huge baseball fan. (laughs) I just played baseball as a kid and like know a thing about baseball. Um, But anyways, yeah, we'll take any and all questions. They don't have to be football-related. They probably should, but if you feel inclined to ask about Pokemon or uh, the meaning of life, please go ahead, because we, of course, have all the answers. Um, We'll have more non-Mailback episodes later this week as well. We've got a guest coming on the show, Zach.
0: Zach, uh, Zach, sorry, on Zach Cunningham still. James, who is our guest this week? We are having Justin Mello on from the Draft Network. Right. Broadway Sports um, does a ton of great interviews with prospects. A ton. Um, Yeah, tons of. I, I, I always uh, give him a hard time because it's like, you have to come up with unique ways to post all your interviews and he's always like <laughs> exciting prospect. And so if he doesn't, I'm like, Oh wait, this player's not exciting. He's high on yeah. everybody, man. He, no, but, yeah. but no, uh, yeah, he, he knows what he's talking about. So it should be a good conversation.
1: It will. You're definitely going to want to tune into that. Um, I believe that's going to be on Thursday. Don't hold us to that. It'll be at the late later section of the week. So be be uh, keeping an ear to the podcast feed. We got a lot of stuff coming this week um, for you. Until then, follow us on Twitter at Easton Freeze, at No Flags Film, at the Titans Ten BSM to keep up with all of our football coverage and to get all updates on the shows when they come out. Like I said, for James Foster, I'm Easton Freeze. We will talk to you next time.